Hello, everybody. Welcome to Culture Surfing. This is Lance Robertson, your host for this evening. No, we unfortunately couldn't make it due to time constraints, but that's okay. We're going to keep rocking this uh, ship. Uh, today, I do have a special guest. He has not been on the show before, but me and him go back, being that we used to uh, write on the same website, the 94 Feet Report. Um, so that was, that was a very fun site. A lot of smart people on that uh, website that have gone on to do other things as well. So give them a quick shout out, but yeah, how's it going today? Corbin, this is Corbin Forbes. This is the host of the NBA today podcast. How you doing today, sir? You know, I'm doing okay. I can't complain. Happy to be on. Thanks a lot for that. And yeah, shout out to 94 feet. That was, that was crazy. I forget. It feels like eons ago. But you're right. You, everyone's kind of doing some cool stuff off of that, and it was a lot of fun while we did it. So, yeah, I'm I'm good though. How about yourself, man? I'm doing splendid, man. I just uh, shot some headshot. I got some headshots done today for for something coming up in the near future. So it's nice to have some professional photos uh, for my portfolio. But yeah, uh, awesome. speaking of professional, we're going to be talking about a professional <laughs> basketball team today in the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they actually looked really competitive. It was the first time I've seen them this compet- uh, competitive in a, in a stretch before in the bubble. Uh, didn't they go undefeated in the bubble, or they almost went undefeated? They went undefeated. They went undefeated. They so it's kind of like, what was the point of having them there if you go undefeated in the bubble and you still can't make it? It's kind of kind of weird. Yeah. But, hey. Yeah, it, it sucks. It, but, that was the worst possible scenario. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, they gained a lot of respect from a lot of people, such as myself. I actually, you know, I'm – Kind of excited to see what they do this offseason. Usually I'm kind of apathetic uh, towards uh, that organization the last few years, but it looks like they're on the right track. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Corbin, he's uh, he's near and dear to the team, so I, I trust his uh, I trust his uh, takes on this team. So I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, this gentleman – or, no, I'm sorry. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about this gentleman right after this. But uh, first, with the draft coming up next month, uh, the Suns do have the 10th overall pick. Is that correct? Yep, they, they got number 10. Yeah. They slot in for that, and that's what they got. Yeah, so, and honestly, this is the one year that it's not really that great of an idea to have a top three pick, being that this is not a top-heavy draft, at least from what I hear from all the draft analysts and the draft nerds that I do respect and listen to, because I am mm-hmm. honestly uh, not privy uh, to the a lot of these uh, these prospects. So what do you think about this 10th uh, spot before we get into actually talking about what they should do with it? Uh, what, what do you think about this position for them? I mean, I, I kind of take your opinion in that it, it's, it's not, I mean, it's top heavy, but it's not, there's a lot of question marks at the top. There should be a lot of good role players or, or good um, pieces that can develop later on. So I feel like the Suns are in a nice spot. Um, ideally, I guess if you'd like to get, you know, four or five, um, because then you don't have to make, Certain you could pick the best p- player available. You're not putting like a fit type of situation. Um, and you got guys like Lamelo, guys like Anthony Edwards, who you know would, would possibly good fits Lamelo more so than Anthony Edwards, in my opinion, who will most most definitely be gone by the time the Suns go up to bat. Um, with that being said, I think there are some nice um, players available at number ten for Phoenix should they pick them, and and not only nice players in general, but also nice fits for what the Suns would, would need. Some additional um, backup, um, some additional young guys to grow, maybe a point guard to kind of uh, uh, co after Rubio, players of that ilk. Yeah, and, and there are plenty of uh, guards, uh, point guards that I've, I've seen, uh, you know, on people's uh, big boards, especially around that area. It seems to be the case that, um, you know, you got the center, um, Wiseman, uh, I believe Edwards and then Ball are the main three 
guys that I keep talk, hearing from at least the the bigger name uh, writers and the top three. I mean, I've seen some people put like, uh, I think it's uh, a Coro. I've seen them put him top three. Um, and he's like one of the better defensive wings uh, in this draft, at least from what I've read and I've gathered from the information oh, yeah. I've seen. But yeah, those the, the three other gentlemen that I said first are the, the main guys I keep seeing. And it's just not a great position to be in because none of those are like home runs. So we could very yeah. well see like a Michael Beasley situation where someone has a number two pick and then that's what happens. But yeah, yeah. But uh, so talking about that 10th pick, should mm-hmm. the Suns buy or sell on that 10th pick? I, I've been, since the minute we were, you know, I first saw this question, I've been kind of baiting between that because in my mind for the Suns team that it, it, I think if the 8-0 was uh, showed nothing else, that maybe it's a sign that the Suns are looking to be more competitive and that they have the players in place to do that. So you would think if you could package that pick, for more of an immediate win-now player, then that's what you should or would do. With that being said, having a guy that is, you know, a younger piece that can still fill some needs and and add to a core that already seems to be playoff-ready isn't the worst decision either. And there are some players, you know, available that I think would be interesting fits for Phoenix. So I've kind of gone back and forth on that. In my mind, I've settled on buying it. Just because selling it, I don't see one clear person that that pick will net that I say, okay, great. There's a few players I would like that will be interesting, but I don't know if they'd solve the Suns' complete needs, and you could have that pick and then add that on, use some extra cash space, and fill in someone with another imperfect free agent and kind of cobble together around the core that is already you know in place. Yeah, Booker is what, like 23 years old right now? Yep. So he's still, yeah. he's still in the realm of like you can still kind of – I don't know. We're saying the Suns probably want to be competitive. Worst case scenario, they they get the ninth seed. You know, they're not they're not quite there yet, and maybe the NBA doesn't do play in tournament. Even though it seems like they, it'd be cool if they did again. But okay. if they don't, worst case scenario, the Suns show, you know, Devin Booker, the franchise player, like, hey, look, we're almost there, and this young guy, you know, maybe in in a year or two, he's going to be ready for like a playoff run with you. You know, so I, I get yeah. it. And it and like I said, this is probably the best case scenario for for a team, you know, mid lottery, you know, get a yeah. get a diamond in the rough and and do something with it rather than just waste a a top three pick on someone that's probably not even going to be an all star. So, yeah, yeah, that won't get you anything you need. You yeah, know? and yeah, I, I I think that's probably the best way to go. Unless obviously, I mean, there's always there's no. There's always going to be a godfather offer out there that you just can't refuse being the Suns, especially if Booker puts the pressure on him. Like, hey, look, I don't want to miss the playoffs again because it seems like he's he hasn't shown any frustration with them, but it, it also seems that he's ready. Like, I I think was it him last year that said I don't want to miss the playoffs again or something like that? Was that him? Yeah, I feel it was. I, Booker's made it known that he's kind of ready to turn the corner. I almost yeah. feel like I was another young guy. I feel like that might have been like a Trey Young or something. It's weird because I remember hearing it going, oh, I hate to disappoint you, buddy, but like – Oh, well, that, I remember the rumors of uh, Trey Young saying – or the it was rumored. It wasn't like a flat-out okay. statement that Trey Young wasn't happy. But, yeah, I'm like, dude, you're with the Hawks, man. It's kind of like, yeah, like – It comes with territory, dude. Like, just be exactly. happy that they even got you. Um, yeah, but uh, moving on, uh, we, I kind of alluded to this guy, but I didn't say his name. Um, so there is one player that 
the Mavericks, they always have these guys that are not necessarily the best of players, but they perform so well against them. And this guy kind of got on my radar on, um, it was like the last bubble or second to last bubble. No, it was the last bubble game for the Suns. I don't know about the Mavericks in terms of like the, you know, the just a regular season or the playing, however you, however you call it. But yeah, uh, this guy performed exceptionally well for his role. And especially that I've never heard of this gentleman before, Javon Carter. Um, and I and I just looked at his stats. He had he's obviously nothing special, but in the bubble he did start picking up steam from at least from what I see. You know I'm just box score hunting. You could tell me more. But what is Javon's uh, Javon Carter's immediate future with the Suns? I believe he's still under contract this year. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean he's a restricted free agent, or, or yeah, he is. Um, look at the whole now it's restricted, and the mm. Suns can bring him back or qualifying. Let me look at that right now. Yeah, because no, yeah, he definitely has a qualifying offer. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, he can be brought back. And, and I, I imagine that the Suns will just because of what he provides. I mean, in short, what you've seen, you said box, box score hunting. Like, what you've seen is what he is. Gotcha. The guy's a dog on the defensive end. He gets after it. He'll pick up full court. He'll bring the intensity. He um it, it improved markedly, in my opinion, as a three-point shooter. I feel like the, the numbers didn't fit the eye test because he was bombing away with more confidence than he did um last year, um, parts of that with right. Memphis. And he was just – a lot more of a confident shooter. And so with a guy like that, you look and you go, okay, you know, is he someone that I think he played better with the Suns off ball than someone on ball. He's not your, your traditional kind of primary initiator uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he's probably best uh, kind of hounding, you know, the opposing ball handler, um, getting to an open spot and being able to shoot the three or at best kind of keep the play moving by taking the pass and, you know, init- not further keeping the offense. But I wouldn't call him initiator um, by any stretch. He's not a traditional point guard in that sense. And even in the bubble, you know, when he played alongside Cameron Payne coming off, Cameron would handle it more and both of them together would kind of be in the tandem um, and kind of playing through an offensive hub. Okay. And I mean – yeah, I mean, looking at the Suns uh, roster right now, it, it seems that all they have are are very young or just unproven uh, point guards, you know, coming off the bench. So maybe they just, you know, take the qualifying offer because this it's not like this uh, free agency class is just so star studded. And I mean, who knows if anyone's going to throw money at them? So it might just end up being they just take the qualifying offer and see what happens after next season. So exactly, yeah, and see where that. Goes. So I mean, I think that they should. Because for someone like Carter, I mean, he showed his value. He's a nice, cheap piece. You can bring in other free Asian guards if you were looking. But, like, even then, you're kind of scraping the bottom barrel with, with players who, you know, like a DJ Augustine or or I, would, I wouldn't even say like a Rajan Rondo or a Jeff Teague. But, like, veteran guards who can't replicate the same um, contributions that Carter was able to do and have a lot more imperfections that probably would make this Suns bench, you know, a lot weaker. Right. And, I mean, it's better to go with what you know than what you don't know. In terms of you know, with this anyways, yeah, that's probably the safe way to play it. And I mean, hopefully, what we saw with the Suns going undefeated in the bubble actually translates to next year. We don't know because it's just like the Heat going to the finals of the fifth seed. You know, that's kind of just a weird situation they were in. But I I think it's just safe to go with. Hey, let's do the qualifying offer. I mean, someone throws an offer sheet at them. I mean, if it's nothing crazy, yeah, we'll match it. But I mean, the Suns do got to think about their uh, cap space moving forward. But, I mean, a qualifying yeah. offer ain't going to hurt. Um, and, I mean, that's true. And it's not like Carter's weaknesses really mentioned is kind of passing both his assists per game yeah. and assists from one year to the other decreasing. Also, aside from shooting the three, he shot at a pretty good 39%. 
uh, inside the rim is kind of an issue. Finishing around the basket can definitely work and be proved upon. So, you know, again, not perfect at all, but I think that you're dealing, like you said, with a known quantity, and that sometimes you're better yeah. off with that and, and youth than someone who has not. Well, and the thing is, he seems, I mean, he's, I mean, he's like 200 pounds. So for a point guard, that's pretty, that's a pretty nice size, you know? So it seems yeah. like he's not a pushover. And as you said, defensively, he's, he's, he's not bad for his position and, you know, considering he's not really a noteworthy player. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. and I think, uh, I think uh, the Suns need more of that. And yeah, that, that's what I'm going to say. Like I said, I don't really know too much about the guy, but from what I saw, I was like, this looks like a positive role player on a, on a growing Suns team. And oh yeah, exactly. So speaking of a positive role player, um Dario Saric, man, I remember him, you know, getting traded over here or traded to his sons. Uh and like I said, I haven't watched much Suns basketball except for like maybe the games that they play Dallas. So Dario Saric, is it worth bringing him back? Should the Suns look at bringing him back? So I've been all over the map on Saric. When he first came in, I said, okay, I like some of what he brings, like some of the potential of, of his play as far as someone who can pass the ball a little bit, is a decent shooter, you know, a, a front court player that can kind of bang the glass. And throughout the year, I, I wrote a couple of articles on it. I thought his play was uneven, you know. He had games where he'd be aggressive. He had games where he would just not show up. Um, he kind of groused, or there was reporting about him grousing off coming off the bench per se, or, or not thinking that he was that type of player. Um, and then I, I brought up the uncertainty that surrounded him next season with the Suns being able to bring him back and, and how he was playing himself in a, you know, like a possible make or break situation because yeah, if he plays well, the Suns can bring him back, but you also have more interest to driving up your, your asking price. And if not, obviously you don't, but then you put the onus on Phoenix to go, okay. You're 26. You can still play. Do want to bring you back? But then again, you stunk up the joint. You know, is that something we want to do? And so I um, brought that up. But then what was interesting about it is that from the first game of the restart, um, and this was really coming off the bench, he was electric. And I wrote it down. It was 16 points, six rebounds, three assists. He was four or six from the field, two or three from you know from three. Um, all in 27 minutes of action, all from the bench. And it was like, it was almost started because of the Suns and, and out of, you know, he had, had an ankle injury coming in. And so the Suns out of an abundance of caution were starting Cameron Johnson in this place. But Cameron Johnson fit the Suns need perfectly alongside, um you know, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre and Devin Booker. It, it, worked, it worked well for them. And then when Sargent would come off the bench, he had the aggression that he had been mostly missing. He was kind of that, that onus. He was able to take on, um to be able to find more consistency without being immediately expected to turn out production that would be, uh, matching that of a starter. And so he, he through the rest of that time, was just a lot more aggressive and played a lot stronger down the stretch. I think if it is skill set more, he seemed more comfortable. And that led me to go, okay, you know what? If he's granted, if he's willing to buy into this role, and this is something that he's okay with, being a, a swing piece between the bench and starting, then bring back Dario Sarge. Why not? You know what I mean? He's still young and he can grow with this core. He obviously displayed what we were looking for most of the year, do it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know how high his stock is in free agency. You know, it's not like I've heard his name come up a lot. Um, I I really think maybe just Suns just do like a one-year deal, like a one-year prove-it deal, like you said, because it's not like he just had the best of performances with them this year. And, with you know, with the stakes that they have, like they have a superstar that could very well join 
you know, the, oh, I'm disgruntled. I want to leave for greener pastures, yeah. you know, scenario. So everything that they do in free agency matters at this point. This is not like two or three years ago where, oh, Devin Booker scored 70 points, but the Suns really stink. This is where it actually matters now, you know? That's true. So every, everything that they do, every every free agent signing that they make from this point on has to mean something. And I don't know if I'm going to do a multi-year deal with this guy, you know? Uh I mean, I would do like a two-year if I yeah. could. Maybe three, again, from 20, 26 to 29 or 28 to 29. Right. I'm not doing some, anything close to like – I'm not saying a max. Yeah. I mean, well, you never know nowadays how people give out maxes. Oh, my gosh. That's true. Yeah. And during the season, Sarge was averaging basically 10 points and six rebounds a night, which, you know, as a starter, a starting power forward of all, suboptimal. Coming off the bench, that's a lot more in line with what he can have, and he gets the freedom to kind of grow and be more assertive and stretches. I feel like he's a player that the pressure can definitely get to him. I think we saw a little bit of that in Philadelphia um, in terms of feeling they have to play up a certain way. This is my own personal take on this. So I'm not looking to extend him as like a part of this core long term, but if you can get him for like a couple of years, you know, through most of his prime or at least the, the beginning, I would assume this is part of it um, at a pretty good deal. Why not? Yeah, and it's not like Dario Sarge has like a lot of leverage here. It's not like his name rang bells throughout this season. So, I mean, mm. that's not saying teams aren't going to be, you know, looking at him, maybe taking flyers on him. But mm. at the same time, I, I think the Suns have the upper hand in this situation. So it might end up being a team-friendly deal. I'm yeah. not going to be the one to put numbers on it because we don't even have like uh, like the cap. We don't even know what the cap's going to be next year. What the protection? So it's kind of really hard to just say, oh, he's going to get – 12 million next year when we don't even know what the final number is going to be for the whole team. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't doubt if Phoenix just brings it back on like a team friendly deal. I mean, you don't see this that much often nowadays, but even like mm-hmm. a, uh, a, maybe a team option, a one in one with a team option. Cause I just, that would work in this market too. Why not? Yeah. I just really don't see the demand for, for a player like him. And not saying that a player like him is not optimal for a winning a winning team, but it's just, yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. he's that important as what we thought he would be when he was a rookie with Philly. Like I thought he was going to yeah. be more important to a team. I don't think he's going to be that important. Uh, not saying he's not going to be important at all, but I think the Suns on the contenders are looking at him like a missing. Nah, piece. right. So yeah, I think that Suns can get him back on the cheap and not have to worry about messing up their future cap space. Um, speaking of future, uh, this player, I've been following him, you know, since his, uh, Minnesota days, I was actually excited that I wasn't necessarily excited for him, but I was excited mm-hmm. that the Suns actually got a veteran guard to pair with Devin Booker. And that's, yeah. uh, that's Rubio, man. Uh, Ricky I mean, Rubio. Ricky Rubio, one of my not favorite guards, but favorite players to root for because of you know, just what he's had to put up with and a guy that really didn't have a shot, like a literal jump shot coming into the league. And he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of got familiar with his jump shot. It's still not great, but it, it's better, you know? Yeah. It's at least somewhat average. So that's nice. And it's just a, a really good defensive player, deceptively good defensive player. A lot of people don't think he is, at least not the people that pay attention to the analytics of it all, you know? Exactly. He's not like a physically imposing player, but he's very smart when it comes to team concepts and things of that nature. He doesn't gamble too mm-hmm. much, so he stays within the you know the team defense. But yeah, um, he still I believe has two years left on his deal after this, or is it three? 
Um, it's two. It's two at seventeen. He's, he's seventeen. Yeah, because he's um. Yeah, exactly. He just turned thirty now, and I think this will take him through thirty-one. So yeah, that's pretty much his kind of deal. Which I, I mean, here's my thing. When he first was signed, I thought the same thing. Yeah, it was a three-year deal too. So three-year fifty-one. So yeah. And when he first was signed, I was like, on the one hand, great. The Suns got a decent starting point guard, which is you know they were playing um, Jamal Crawford at certain spots. They they it, it was it was getting bad in terms of of their point guard situation. And then I went Rubio though, and like I was one of those Suns guys who had the pipe dream of D'Angelo Russell. Would that have worked with the Suns on the defensive end? No. Um, playmaking probably you're paying a, a max you know to get them. In a lot of ways, no, but I thought in my mind, age-wise, they match up well. And yet, imperfect backcourt, but you could fill around those spots. We've seen imperfect and, like, offensively capable in terms of, like, high strides. But look at Portland. In in terms of defensively, you know their Achilles heel between those two. But Rubio is someone that added some instant um, validity to the Suns' backcourt alongside Devin Booker. He sailed them down multiple times during the season. Having that coach on the floor was integral to the Suns' success this year and something they haven't had for since Eric Bledsoe left. So we're looking at a couple seasons now. Um, and, you know, his shot, he shot pretty decently from the three. Still has that hitch in his shot. That's kind of the way he shoots now. Um, and that little floater that he loves taking coming down the baseline. Um but in terms of long-term future, I was thinking about that from the moment he got signed when I saw it was a three-year deal. And, yes, it'd be covering as prime, you know, which you'd imagine was, let's say, last year for the next two years. But he's going to 31 at that point. Yikes. And also with the way that the season was pushed around now, you're getting more time. I don't know if that's the guy you want to build around uh, in terms of is he a placeholder kind of point guard? Is he going to be able to take the team from where they are now, which I think he has from, you know, lower to, let's say, a playoff team and then kind of recede to coming off the bench? which would make him look like a super sub, you know, in that type of realm. Um, but look at it. Devin Booker's 23. You know, DeAndre Ayton's 22. Rubio's 30. The math on that long-term isn't going to work. In terms of by the time Devin Booker and them are, you know, 27, 28, Rubio's 35, 36. It just kind of is what it is there. So in my mind, should they move from him now? If they see a piece that is is great, I mean, let's say, or, or a piece that has some, that's appealing. That, that comes to them. I know the Pelicans and Lonzo Ball had talk or Lonzo Ball rumors about him. I would go for that. You know, someone that, yeah, offensive deficiencies, you're looking to equal to Rubio. But defensively, I think he's a stout defender. Obviously, you know, his playmaking and you shave off eight years. So that's someone I'd look at. Um, or even like um, if they would pursue Fred Van Vliet, which the money's not quite great on that, but I'd be okay with that. Or um, – Killian Hayes or Tyrese Halliburton or, or someone from the draft at that temp spot, Cole Anthony or someone that you can then use to kind of go behind um, Rubio and then play alongside him and then eventually take his place in the starting lineup. Those are the options that I would take. So all of that to say, like, if you do find an offer that is great, go for it. But otherwise, I don't think it's the worst thing to keep Rubio around. He's obviously given the Suns a great impact this year. And, you know, although he won't be part of the next great Suns team, in my opinion, um, he's still someone that has some value. Yeah, I I think you well said what how you put it. Um, with how they got the tenth overall pick, and like we were mentioning earlier, that there's plenty of you know point guards that will probably still be available there. You know, maybe guys like R.J. Hampton. You know, n- not the best shooter, but I mean, can handle the ball pretty well. Um, I, yeah, yeah, and and to have him kind of. You know, with Rubio, where Rubio can teach him the game and, you know, just how to be a pro 
and you can groom it. Rubio, you can groom him that play for the future, just in case the Suns don't necessarily reach where they, you know, reach their expectations by by the time Rubio's uh, contract expires. But at least you can groom, use him to groom the future. Um, but even yeah. then, like his contract is not that bad to where you can't trade it. So exactly, we can still you can still down the line say if the Suns are nowhere near where they want to be by the deadline, whenever that is, they could trade them, you know, to a team that is desperate for a veteran point guard. So mm-hmm. uh, I think the Suns are in a good position with with Rubio. I don't think they need to force it, like you said. It, it's probably just going to come down to what's what's happening at the midway point because after that, maybe it doesn't make sense to keep them if they're losing record and they have no signs of making it to the playoffs. What's the point of having that seventeen? You know, mill on the books. So it doesn't make. Yeah, that's true. That's, prob- that's true. It doesn't make any sense. If that's the case. That's probably what's going to happen. But who knows? There's been weirder things. Um, but speaking of like young players around, you know, building with the Suns, we also keep on harping about the fact that, you know, Devin Booker's, you know, he's not getting younger, and it's not like he is old. But it's going to come a time where there might be an ultimatum where he's like, look, man, I, I want to win. If not, I just can't do it here. So there are a lot of young players on this roster. Do you see the Suns at any point just saying, screw it, we're going to package a lot of these young guys and get us a quality veteran? Do you, you, you see that uh, feasible? So the thoughts come to my mind, but like uh, aside from – here's the guys I thought are untouchable for Phoenix. DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker – um, Mikel Bridges, fine. If you were to take everyone else, you know, you're looking at um, young guys like maybe uh, Cam Johnson, who uh, real quick just had a great year as far as for someone that was like the too old, that was drafted too high. And James Jones definitely, uh, let's just say he has a type when he uh, <laughs> makes his personnel decisions. And I, I, I said as a joke that that type is is James Jones. Like, okay. he, likes are, he likes picking guys that are, that are like, you know, guys that are shooters and long. And like, that's his thing. It's almost like, Sam Presti with the athletic guys who um, can't shoot. Right. You know, James Jones, it, it, it's that. So that was the mindset there. But aside from that, you're looking at guys like um, Tyler Johnson. Or Tyler Johnson's gone, but not Tyler Johnson. He's gone. But um, Ty Jerome, my fault, yeah. Tyler Johnson. Ty Jerome, who he stuck up the joint. I'm not – there's no other way to cut it. You know, the Suns kind of gave him some of the keys uh, to kind of take off that backup unit. Um, toward the end of the year and into the bubble, and he just failed miserably. Um, he's only 22, so there's still hope. But like, he was horrible. He, sh- you know, shot 20% from three, looked totally out of place. I mean, even for a guy who was a rookie point guard, he just seemed shell shocked every time he was on the floor, and, it, and that was not lost on me. So I'm not sure what kind of value you're getting back from that. Um, you have Jalen LeCue, who's 19, but I mean, he got literally five games. A young guy who was a flyer. No, nah, that's all we really got on him as far as, like, actually out there. And after that, it's, it's not as young a team as you would think, you know? Uh, Czech Diallo probably isn't coming back. Frank Kaminsky bringing back, already 26. Um, th- there's no one really there. Uh, Eli, you know, Elliot Kobo, 22, but he can't shoot, and he's in the same boat as Ty Jerome, except he's played more years. So, like, I, I don't see that in, in a word, no, because I think the Suns' most viable trade asset right now that could go, aside from – Cameron Johnson, who I guess the Suns would be hard-pressed to move, would be Kelly Oubre uh, in terms of someone who, I mean, he's not old himself. He's 24, uh, and he's still someone that has some value and, and, and could probably net you some pieces both salary-wise uh, but also in terms of, okay, he's a solid player and we could bring someone back um, who's like a reasonable player in return. 
So yeah, the Suns, like the young guys, I, I that's what's weird. They have a lot of them, but like in the back half, none of them are ready right but, now. And I doubt that. But they don't have good young guys, so it's like there you there's go. No use for them for a team that's trying to do. So yeah, so so pretty much Cameron Payne. Huh? Yeah, so pretty much where the Suns are at, they would either have to include the tenth pick or you know Kelly Oubre or a combination of the tenth pick and Kelly Oubre to really get something significant. Yes. Without obviously trading like Rubio or you know. And they're not trying yeah. Aiton or Booker right now, so yeah. And I even mentioned Rubio. Rubio, someone obviously like we talked about before, could be moved, but like I don't see it at least not right now. And it had to be something that was like, okay, we're going for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's kind of where the Suns are at. It's the, the roster is just it's not deep at it's all. Weird. You know? No, it is. And, and for a team that played so well, you're right. Like they're not. They're, they're not. It's not. It's not super deep. It just isn't. I mean, they went six, seven during the bubble. You know what yeah. I mean? Going kind of back with Cameron Payne, Javon Carter got some minutes. Um, obviously Dario Sarge, so eight, and that was really it. It's almost to the point where maybe just use a tenth pick to get a couple quality veterans to shore up that bench, almost. But I don't know if you could you do that. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Salary wise, what fits? Yeah. And who are the vets that would make that work? That would. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we're gonna talk about a little bit, but like guys like Orlando Aaron has Gordon. some. Orlando has some, mm-hmm. and they really need to bottom out at this point. But they have like Terrence Ross. I'm trying to think of some other name. They have veterans on that roster that make no sense on that timeline right now. Evan Fournier, even though I, I don't like him as a player, he's someone that I think. I think he's a free um, agent, right? Or no, he's not a free oh, agent. Oh, player option. Player option. Which I don't but know. If he what picks he, that up, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And I mean, based on his playoff performance, I would pick that up because yeah. uh, he's proven that he's not. It a playoff seems guy. like he hasn't but, had a good playoff series in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, and and not even just that, they've been downright awful. Yeah, you know, you said it. So between those guys, you're right. Ter- um, Terrence Ross, you mentioned um, a, a big one. I'm sure we're gonna talk about later, but someone who's been talked about for the last two years to go to Phoenix would be Aaron Gordon. Yeah, that guy. And then if you do that, you bring in someone. And in fact, I mean, that's one of my deals off the top. So I guess I'm kind of just not bearing the lead there. But like you get someone in Ubre who, you know, he's 24. He's kind of on that precipice between a win now player and yeah. someone who can still develop it. And he fits a lot more with guys like Markel Fultz and guys of that. But age. I just don't know how I feel about having Aaron Gordon when you have, uh, why am I blanking? My goodness. When you have DeAndre, DeAndre? Ayton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So here's, here's why I like it a little bit. Defensively, I'm, I mean, I think it'd be interesting. Um, offensively, you're right now having guys who can really stretch out. I mean, Gordon does, but doesn't do it effectively. Right. Aiden, however, did start taking the three ball in the bubble. And I think he made one every game once he started. He took like two or three a game. Um, and he all, I mean, if you watch the you know, pregame stuff, he had that flash. He showed some of that flash in college in terms of having that shooting stroke from three. So it was always there. But he just wasn't doing it, and you know he said that coach said that, or he said that, whatever the case may be. He finally started taking the bubble, and it looked really good. And so you don't want him to take that three to the point that it's taken away from his you know good mid range right. game and and, and down the game in around the rim. But if you have that space from there and someone's a confident taker, and you know the Gordon will, it can open up the floor in a different way for a guy like Devin Booker to kind of leave some pressure off him. For a guy like Rubio to have a great lob partner at the power forward in Gordon rather than let's say Sarich, and give the Suns an interesting dynamic in that way. Okay, so so it seems that Aiton is actually has been improving his outside game because going in to the draft years ago, I do remember them saying that he can go outside, but I just. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but I just don't remember seeing that in the games that I've seen him play the last couple of years. But that's that's good that he's showing signs that he can. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and Aaron Gordon. I mean, the thing is, it would make them such an interesting fit athletically, too. I just seeing Aaron Gordon, Devin Booker, 
and Aiton together would be. I mean, man, I just I don't know. And also, Aaron Gordon usually doesn't have a, a quality point guard that can create like Rubio. So that's another yeah. dynamic that makes Rubio make more sense on that team. If if you got another like high flying guy that can create that Rubio can create for so. Mm-hmm. And you got some size that you can kind of use defensively against a team like Nuggets with Jokic mm-hmm. or, or the Lakers with Anthony Davis alongside DeAndre and you know, to match up better. We've seen Gordon on, on Giannis, um, you know, when healthy, and, and that's looked somewhat effective. So, I mean, it's Giannis. But at the same time, you're having someone who's not totally enough on the defensive end um, add some additional length and, and definitely a, a huge dose of athleticism. And then if you bring Sarge back, coming off the bench, different – a different change of pace. You've like bolstered your bench by moving one of your starters there. Yeah, I mean, and you you convinced me that that could work because I honestly haven't thought of Aaron Gordon with the uh, the Suns, but that, that that doesn't that's not bad. And they have the tenth pick, so that that makes a lot more sense for Orlando because I really just don't see the point of them doing this seventh eighth seed sh- charade anymore. Like, what's the point? Just bottom them out. Sure. You know, you're gonna you have your future. You know, and Jonathan Isaac, yeah. he's gonna miss. From what I've heard, he's going to miss the whole season. season. Bottom out, man. And then after this, you don't have to bottom out because you might be decent enough to be, you know, maybe six seed, seven seed in the East. And then you can kind of see reevaluate your future because at that point you're looking at extensions for Marco Fultz and Isaac. So you can kind of see where you're going with that. Um, And, yeah, I think that would make perfect sense for for a Magic team that you're right. All they're going to do is end up in the seventh, eighth seed, uh, they're gonna do their 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 yearly tradition of taking a win um in game yeah. one against the number one seed and then getting clobbered yeah. for the next four right. games. And we're gonna go home. Yeah. So okay. Well, we are kind of on the same path of of trade. So let's go ahead and just hop in uh to our trade proposals. I just have All two right. and they actually involve the same players. So you go ahead and go first on on your first one. Well, I mean mine involves another player. I, I think I think the main guy that I saw in Phoenix that was not only movable, we already talked about Kelly Oubre, but also movable in, in terms of a gateway to getting other players as far as, okay, Kelly Oubre is intriguing. He has a good shot. He can play between the three and the four. Um, he's someone that has athleticism, someone that, you know, can, can give a spark either starting off the bench. So I looked at Indiana and, um, you know, namely Victor Oladipo. And if you take Kelly Oubre in the 10th pick and you package it Indiana, you get another guy. At first, you continue the Suns tradition uh, just started of giving – your wing players to Indiana. Uh, remember TJ Warren uh, just a couple of last yeah, year. Yeah, but that, that was a bad way of letting him go to Indiana. <laughs> that was a horrible way of doing that. <laughs> but in this way, you get someone in Victor Oladipo who, you know, he can, he can play off ball. He can kind of play on the ball. You have to figure out the fit between him, Rubio, and Booker. But I like him and Booker together. Um, I think you could let Booker play on ball and let Oladipo off. They both would have a kind of a scoring kind of setup there. Um and then you would by, – by doing that, you're getting someone who, in my opinion, fits more of the win now. It kind of boosts their their floor a little bit, even though I would have concerns about the backcourt. And more than likely, I would either want an additional guard there or would like to move Ricky because I don't know how – I don't think either of them can play the three. So you're not having all your guys starting. And are you ready for Ricky to come off the bench to have a two-man, two a two, a two man, two-guard lineup of Booker and, and – and, um, Booker and – Oladipo, it could work in theory, but that was one I thought of originally because math-wise, it makes sense. Yeah, and and, uh-huh. and you really just have to commit at that point to Booker, Aiton, and uh, Oladipo as your future because Oladipo is going to want the Mac, especially if he stays in Phoenix. You know, if he agrees. And my thing is, man, with the Suns, I don't know. I mean, I guess. 
Booker would be happy with the gamble, but from a team aspect, mm-hmm. it's scary to, and that's a weird saying, but this number 10 pick gambling is number 10 pick for a guy that might not stay. I don't know, but that's I think true. Booker would be happy with it. I think book, I think, and that's what really matters if you want to keep him because worst case scenario, they'll have to trade Booker down the line and get a couple of first round picks, I think. So sometimes you do just have to make these gambles, and and that might be one that they're willing to make if as long as Booker's happy with it. Because I'm sure they ask him, "Hey, are you okay with sharing the backcourt with this guy or whatever?" And I'm sure he'll yeah. either yes or no, and they'll make the deal. So and go for that's that. an interesting one because I haven't heard all of Depot pop up uh, with the Suns. So here's my first. Oh no, here's mine. I didn't really add any picks into the in these two trades. I just kind of did player for player. So to me, the Suns need. Like a legitimate, like defensive guard slash wing, and someone to actually okay. shoot. Although this player hasn't necessarily, you know, saw the propensity. Uh, well, not, hasn't necessarily showed it offensively. Let's just say he missed a wide open shot in the NBA Finals uh, to potentially win the game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we know, who you're yeah. About. <laughs> so this is my trade, and this is with me thinking that the the Suns are going to take a point guard at ten. This is just Rubio straight up for Danny Green. So Rubio, uh, that that extra 17 mil is going to be off the books for next season. Danny Green is expiring contract. So you get a veteran slash champion 3 and D guy. Hopefully, he's, he's at least the three part. He's probably still going to be the D part on your team. But you also get expiring contract, which you can use for fu- uh, future trades, you know, if necessary. Because there's always going to be people that are looking to, to you know, uh, shed cap space so that that's my first trade um it's not necessarily the sexiest or the most intriguing but i just think if the and then plus i think booger is just gonna carry the ball more i think he's getting better as a playmaker in general so i don't think you necessarily need a player like rubio all the time on the on, no. on the starting lineup especially when he can't really shoot that well so that that's just me yeah. kind of taking a gamble on Booker being a, a better playmaker and the Suns finding someone at the 10th spot. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's what I got. Tell me what you think about that. I like that. That's pretty solid. I, I hadn't thought about Danny Green at all. Just like I brought up Elo Oladipo is different. Danny's different, but someone if you're going to be, you know, I mean, give the Lakers someone as an additional point guard. Which they um, definitely need. They back, exactly. Whether or not they bring back Rondo, I would have more problems with the shooting concerns because I, if I put Ricky and, and Rondo on the same level shooting-wise, I trust Rondo's basketball IQ and passes better just because he's just shown it in the NBA Finals. So, like, that would be a thought. But at the same time, uh, the, you know, uh, you could still bring back Rondo. A playoff Rondo could still be a thing. Now, you're limiting your shooting with Ruby a little bit, maybe. Um, and that's a thought. But from the Suns' perspective, I mean, yeah, you're getting another guy who can be a swingman, put the ball more in Booker's hands as a playmaker. Uh, you could still make a move, like you said, with the 10th spot to bring in a, 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 a point guard and say, hey, listen – the ball is yours to kind of go through lumps, but guess what? We have, you know, we're going to augment our bench, maybe bring in a vet, maybe do like a DJ Augustine or someone like that. And then you cobble together that, put more responsibility on uh, Devin Booker, and then know you have a guy who's capable, who will take pressure off you on the defensive end and be a great release valve on the offensive end in green. Yeah, I, I just think it's a solid trade, and it honestly helps both teams because LeBron, I mean, yeah, he's borderline MVP last year, but he needs someone that can, he can't be the point guard next year. Someone else has to carry the ball for him. And it's not AD. We know it's not AD. So Rubio would be perfect for that because it's not a guy that's going to take shots away from you. If anything, he's going to want to give more shots to you. 
Exactly. So I'm not a Lakers fan at all, but I would love to see that trade happen because, like I said, I'm a Rubio fan. So I would love to see him in a winning situation. And then the Suns get an expiring player, expiring contract, and someone with championship uh, caliber, you know. Yeah, so get him in that locker room and, and see what happens. So what's your next trade yeah, proposal for me, man? So my this is actually, I mean, it's been taught. It's not even like, it's definitely not my own idea. It's been tossed around a bleacher report and um, value of the Suns and others. And there's been different packages. But the essential idea would be saying, okay, we're going to give Kelly Oubre, great swingman, um, you know, great swingman. We're going to get the number 10 pick and we're going to go to Minnesota. And we're going to say, hey, you don't want that number one pick. We'll take it off your hands. We'll get you guys a player who fits position in need. Because right now you're probably going to get another guard. You don't need another point guard when you have D'Angelo Russell. You don't need another shooting guard when you have um, Malik Beasley going to resign. And you don't need another center when you have Carl Anthony Towns. But what you do need is a three. And we have the three. So we give you uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., who at 24 fits right in there alongside Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns. We give you the 10th pick. So you get another player to, to fit a position of need. There'll be a point guard there if you want one later. There'll be a shooting guard there. You get a Devin Vassell or someone there if you want that too. We'll take the number one pick. We get to get LaMelo Ball as a point guard that fits right in, you know, under uh, Ricky Rubio to be that person. Uh, you could get a guy like Anthony Edwards or, you know, go big on that and take that number one and parlay it for another win now play. That's what I was going to ask that- you. I was like, so does that, do you think that would just end up training that again? Which they could very well do that, which exactly. this would be the perfect draft it- to do so. A step stool trade yeah. where you know you take that one to yeah. get to the next or just one. trade down to three. That works too, yeah. And you can do the same offer with Golden State. It's been talked yeah. about before. Again, it's not an original idea. You know, Kelly Oubre uh, to Golden State for for number two or whatever, and go from there. And either a make that decision if you're really high on someone. Um, you know, one of the, maybe a, a, a what's his name? I'm getting mixed up now. Killian Hayes. There you go. That's someone I'm really high on. Some of that French guard, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, and then he'll probably more than likely, yeah, he'll more than likely probably be gone by the time the Suns get up to to, to draft. But you can either make that trade and take him off right there, or you know, make that trade and use it to get another player that fits your needs better. So I'm I'm on board with that. I like that trade because it has depth to it. You know, because if you obviously trade for the number one, you can definitely trade the number one for something else. All right, so here's here's my my last trade. I got uh, this is actually a two for one. Uh, the Clippers okay. get two guards for one. So, or I'm sorry, the Suns get two guards for one. So the Suns are going to get oh, send out Rubio once again. I love Rubio, but for some reason I, I keep trying to get him traded off the Suns. Um, and they get Lou Lemon Pepper Williams and Patrick Beverly. I love yeah, it. So oh, wow. with that, that yeah. so with that, yes, Beverly has two years left, but he's a little bit. He's like three, four million cheaper than Rubio. And you also get an expiring in Lou Williams and an $8 million, uh, expiring. So, and Lou, I don't know what he's going to look like next year. Um, and he's definitely not someone you want to play at the end of games. But in terms of like shoring up that bench that we were talking about, giving your bench some dynamic, uh, you know, just dynamic offensive play, that's very necessary for the Suns because there's going to be times where Devin Booker can't just do everything. And then Patrick Beverly, even though. I mean, he was kind of playing hurt in the playoffs, but he did not look good defensively at all um, versus the Mavs, really. And even against the Nuggets, uh, he didn't really look all that good defensively. But still, he's a quality uh, veteran guard. And I don't know, like maybe just aesthetically he looks like a better defensive player, 
than Rubio, but he's I don't know if he is or not. It's kind of hard to tell, but he's been playing hurt. But either way, I don't think it hurts you that much if that's your starting guard. And once again, he's not going to be really taking shots away from, you know, your future stars or your stars right now. And then you just get someone on your bench like Lou Williams that can at least provide, you know, shot making. And even then, if it's not working out, like we said, if the Suns are kind of in a losing situation, then you can just trade them for something else. Yeah, so that's what I got. Nothing crazy, but it's just trades that I can really see happening. And and the Clippers said they need a point guard. This is what the 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 report said that supposedly Kawhi was saying they need a point guard. So here we are. And they don't have many ways of doing it, and that's one. Yeah. Because of their money situation, where they're at, who wants to make a trade, what they want back, it's complicated. Right. So you're right. That would be one that's potential and it augments the Suns bench. Yeah. So it kind of it's a win win. I don't like doing trades where it's just too one sided because you think those yeah. things don't happen, but they actually happen a lot. But I'm they trying happen. not to think like uh, what's his name from the he used to be a Minnesota GM or president. Uh, David. Yeah, Khan. I try not to think like him too much. <laughs> so do you have any other that's- trades for me? So, I mean, my last one was a basic. It was the one we talked about before, the aforementioned Kelly mm. Oubre, Aaron Gordon. Swap. There we go. Um, I did have one, though, that I had to get a shout out to uh, Daniel Bowek. Make sure I get – no, run Daniel Ryan Bowek. Okay. I had to make sure I got that right because he put one out in a piece I was looking up when I was researching trades for this, for ideas. That was interesting. Um, and it was uh, Kelly Oubre, Jalen LeCue, and the, t- the 10 overall pick for Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, and the 19th overall pick. And – what makes that interesting is that you get a guy from Brooklyn side in Kelly Oubre who can probably be that a, another third piece alongside, you know, not a star, if you will, but a third piece alongside um, Kyrie and Kevin Durant that could play the three or the four, whichever position Durant's not playing. And then for the Suns, you've augmented your bench and given extra forward help or given yourself a new starting point guard with Spencer Dinwiddie and Toy and Prince. And you still have a pick in this draft like it's 19, right. so it's definitely not the top, you know, but for the Nets, they get that pick. Yeah, pick a player that can grow up and grow alongside them, or, or whatever they like there, while also getting a guy in Kelly Oubre who you know on, on the cheap fits what they're looking for right now, which is the third. Yeah, game. so if they do that, I assume that they're keeping Rubio and they have, uh, I guess he'd start and then didn't. Man, that would that would be really good. It would make them a little deeper, and and to me, that's yeah, that's what the Suns got to do. I think starting lineup wise, they're okay, but man, they're just looking at this bench. It's just like a bunch of names that aren't doing anything. No, and won't. And and just in the box score, you know, won't bring you anything. Yeah. And that's just kind of sadly where they're at. Okay. Well, uh, I, those are definitely some cool trades. Uh, I, I I had fun listening, you know, to your takes on why they should do it. And I think it's pretty reasonable. So, uh, that, Corbin, we were talking, you know, off mic before we started recording about what you've been doing in your community. And being that this is culture surfing, like I told you before we started recording, we like to, you know, put the spotlight on people that are doing things for, for the people in their communities, you know, just for just cultural things, you know, for your people or whoever it is. Like I, I, we like to uh, shine light on that. So it's more than about the game or about music here at uh, culture surfing. We like to look at the people and the soul. So Corbin, please tell me what you've been doing in your communities uh, in this election year. Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I work at a public library. So already, you know, libraries all over have been forced to shut down because of COVID, um, which has been unfortunate for people um, who are in need of, of, of places to find shade, of cooling places, of, of places uh, to find heat in some areas for, for people to have access to computers in an, in an economy that is 
trash right now, finding jobs. And we haven't had been able to do that. We've just started opening back up. And it's limited selection for items to check out just for, you know, you know, families to be able to get access to school materials and things of that sort. Um, and we haven't we still don't have access to computers or anything like that. But in opening back up, we've had a lot of questions about voting and going into this year, we were set to be a, a polling, a polling site. And I was I'm actually a volunteer on that. So we got changed because we're not open, really. We're open in limited capacity. But we're not fully open. That was no longer the case. However, because I'm in Arizona, that's kind of a mess in terms of that. The Arizona voting hotline still lists us as a place to go. Well, that's not accurate anymore. And so we get so many frustrated customers throughout the day asking about, okay, where, you know, where are we voting this and that? We don't have that. They're frustrated, think of suppression, whatever the case may be. So what I've been doing is looking up, calling places, looking up um, nearby sites, getting phone numbers, getting addresses and putting together a list along with dates and times to spread that out and also making sure that we do curbside pickup which is basically customers can come from the library and we are giving their items that they ordered previously um to them and you know letting them know about that and so what i've been doing in addition to doing my own capacity job as you know working at a library is also saying okay by the way you know the nearest voting site place is open today from seven to three it's 10 miles down this way here's the number and making sure that there's bookmarks with that information labeled so they can easily look at it and find it. And it not only diminishes confusion for the immediate customer, but they could pass that along to others uh, so that they also know where to go. So I've really been taking a lot of my time to make sure that that's being spread because with so much going on and so much misinformation, so much inaccurate information, you know, uh, and especially in the time where there is so little wiggle room for that than ever before, in my own opinion, you know, there needs to be someone to be able to help out. And so I, I, love what our district has done in general but on a personal level i've kind of made that a mission to kind of continue to focus on that just get people in the right direction because of what we need right now well uh, i want to thank you for for your efforts corbin because i mean this is a very pivotal election as we all know and you know i mean you know if that certain person wins then it's gonna be a very tough i mean and it's not even just another tough four years that this has implications oh. of ruining generations if, if this person wins again. And uh, yeah. and just you being able to tell people where they where they can vote, because it honestly is very complicated. Because I, I still don't even know where yeah. I am supposed to vote because I just changed uh, addresses. So I had to read, I had to change the stuff on my voter registration. So I don't even know where I'm supposed yeah. to go. So I, uh, my buddy actually I gave me a link to phone show phone. me, but. Good, good. It's because we have that too. We have that too, guys. People who are like, "Hey, we just changed addresses." You know, people whenever it's just, yeah. "What do we do? Where do we go?" And that information, it's so go here, go here, not updated. And, yeah. You know, I don't want to go against militias or not, but either way, the long story short is that potential voters aren't having access to. And that. my fear is that when I go, like, I don't care about the. I'll just say the Trump supporters that are supposedly intimidating people, but you know, oh, like yeah. voters intimidation. I don't care about that. I just care about the computers messing up because I've seen it in the past where it's like glitching out or it's like it's only letting you pick Republicans or things like that, like, which is very mm. scary. That's why as much as I wish we could just do it via the internet, you can't in Texas. I don't even think you can do mail. And I think you have to do it in person in Texas. Um, as much as I wish we could do it on the internet, I can understand why we can't because there's just so much that can be hacked and messed and messed with. So, but yeah, yeah, the integrity. Yeah. yeah right. And so I just want to say again, thank you for what you're doing. And I'm sure your community uh, community appreciates it, you know, going out of your way to do such things. And not a lot of people do that because they really don't care. But this is the wrong year not to care. 
If you're practicing apathy this year, you might as well just say you don't care at all about not just your country, but the people that live in it. So, yeah, you said, yeah. So with that said, everybody, this has been a a great episode with Corbin. Um, Did you have anything you wanted to say, Corbin? You want to shout out any plug out, plug anything before we get out of here? Oh yeah. I mean, I thank you for bringing me on, man. It's been not only great just to get back with you after a while, but just to be on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I do a podcast on, it's called hoopballhoop-ball.com on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets. Great site for fantasy basketball, but total basketball perspective, um, sports betting, all of that. Um, it's called NBA Today. I'm doing off-season outlooks. I was telling Lance early before we started, kind of everyone's doing that. So that's kind of fun. So make sure to check that out. And uh, got some more things on the pipeline, some more uh, some more news coming out pretty soon. Or I guess it's already news. I just haven't done it yet. But joining the, the team at Premium Hoops has been uh, a blast to just do it. So I am can't wait to get some stuff out there. But Aside from that, man, I just got to thank you again for bringing me on, man. It's been a lot of fun and and always good to reconnect. We'll, we'll have to do it again uh, once we actually have an off season and we can see, you know, maybe have like a. I've been told that season previews are dead, so we'll call it something else. But it's pretty much like a season preview, you know, for the Suns. Yeah. We'll, we'll do yeah. that again. But uh, yes, uh, everybody, please find us uh, on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're pretty much on everywhere you can do a podcast. Just go on and. Uh, Give us five stars. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what we're doing. That's that you know that you like. You know, I'm all about constructive criticism. Uh, and Culture Servant very much appreciates your opinion as long as you give us, you know, something substantial. We'll respect it. But everybody have a nice night and we'll see y'all next time.